We are in the book of Matthew this morning. We're going to be looking at chapter 1, and we're going to be reading together, actually, this morning, verses 18 uh, to the end of the chapter. If you have your Bibles, would you grab them? Would you open them? Would you stand with me as we read from God's holy word this morning? It says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being just uh, a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up from sleep... He did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. May God bless the reading of his word. You may be seated. It is here, isn't it? It's here. It's upon us. Christmas is here. Are you excited? I'm excited. I'm excited. But why do we get excited? Do we get excited because we are just addicted. We are hopeless consumers. We need more stuff. I got to get more stuff. I want more stuff. My garage needs to be filled with more stuff. Stuff until it's just bursting out of the seams of our houses. We need more stuff. Is that why we get excited about Christmas? Is it because of the food? Is it because of that juicy, fatty, sugary, salty, make you want to fall out of your seat and go into a, a coma kind of food? We just can't wait for that food. It's so good. Is it because it's, it's, it's time spent with family? And some of you are going, wait a second, okay. I was tracking with you until we got to family, but you don't know my family. Is it because we just, we just like the colors red and green? Is it about the, the little baby in the animal feeding trough? Or could it be even more than that? Could it be about what that baby came to do. We believe that this baby matters, right? We believe that it matters. There are things about this baby that we have to put into our box of essentials. Things that if you don't believe them, they, they, they leave us lost in the dark, cut off from all that is, is really good, sentenced to repay an eternal debt, Destined to endure a terrible and yet rightfully deserved punishment? What do you believe about this baby? More specifically, what do you believe this baby was born to do? With Christmas only days away, all the decorations in full view, all the, all the smells, all the tastes, all the, all the sounds just seem to surround us. All the presents that are prepped and primed and ready for that big morning. 
let's pause. Let's press pause for just a moment and remind ourselves of the thing that makes this thing so great, that makes this the top-tier holiday, the most anticipated day of the entire year. Let's talk about why Jesus came. Let's talk about the work of Christ. Babies, <clears throat> babies. I'm the oldest of eight. I, I know babies. I've had a few of my own, not me personally, but my wife. Babies are, are cute. Babies are cuddly. But each one is born with a calling. You and I have a calling. In fact, every single human being that has ever lived was born with a calling. We, we were born that our lives, our, our very existence, might bring glory to God. It might, might point to just how magnificent and awesome God is. The Bible tells us that each one of us were intentionally designed. Our Creator made us both male and female in His image. Look in the mirror. And you will see an individual who has been made intentionally. You are not a mistake. Even before you came into the world, Psalm 139 tells you that you were being masterfully formed in your mother's womb. You were known by your creator before you even took your first breath. You are not an accident. There are a lot of people these days who will try to tell you otherwise. They will tell you that you are just a matter of chance. Who you are is just a matter of chance. And, and, and because of that, it really doesn't matter. And so, so go ahead and, and believe yourself to be this, believe yourself to be that, make yourself out to be this, make yourself out to be that, anything, everything that you wish to be. Not true. In fact, that is a terrible dehumanizing lie. They try to make it sound like a good thing. They give it all the appearance of, of liberation and freedom, and yet it stinks. It stinks of confusion and meaninglessness and hopelessness and insignificance. People think that by casting aside the, any thought of, of a designer and any loyalty that a creation should owe to its creator, they think that by pushing that aside that they are going to be less oppressed and, le and more empowered and more fulfilled. But as they walk down that path, what they find is it leads them towards disillusionment, to dissatisfaction, to depression, discouragement, and even death. The Bible tells us the wages of sin is death. I think that's really actually a very unnecessary statement. All we have to do is open our eyes and we see it all around us. We see for ourselves the results of saying that, that up is down and down is up and wrong is right and right is wrong. And what is actually very, very clear is actually quite the opposite. And all of this has been going on since the very first two people on the planet set the example and sealed our fate by calling ourselves master and commander, rather than acknowledging the one who actually is master and commander. Babies, babies are cute. Babies are, are cuddly, but each one is born with a calling. And the reality for every man, woman, boy, and girl 
is that we have all fallen short of that calling for which we were born. Rather than showing the world what our, our maker is like, we've disgraced ourselves and we've sealed a forever fate, a forever fate of, of pain, of suffering, of banishment, of endless punishment. We have become a people, as Isaiah says, a people that walk in darkness. It's not a pretty picture. But then there's Christmas. Then there's a baby lying in the manger. And what is so special about this baby? Well, let me tell you, it's not the color of his eyes. And it's not that cute little nose of his. And it's not the way that he coos and, and smiles. And it's not the way he snuggles up into his mother and his father's arms. No, it's who he is, and it's what he was called to do. The angel said to Joseph, you heard it, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. What's so special about this baby? It's who he is, and it's what he came to do. Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, come to save people from their sins. Put this in your box of essentials. We believe that Jesus Christ is our representative and substitute. Why do we need a representative? Why do we need a substitute? Back when I was playing soccer as a kid, I was the best person on the team. Actually, strike that. I was the worst person on the team. And substitutes were needed. I needed a substitute. The players needed substitutes because they would get worn out. They would get tired. Or the coach would determine that some of these are just clearly unfit to be on this field altogether. And the coach would be watching. He would be evaluating. He would be waiting for that moment, that right moment, that strategic moment, when to pull a certain player off of the field and then bring someone in to take that player's place. That's not exactly what we're talking about here. When we say Jesus is our representative and substitute, we're not talking about people who are just uh, uh, tired. We're not talking about people who, who just aren't quite measuring up. It's not that we were just, just shy. We did really, really well, but we're not going to quite be enough to help the team make the win. That's not what we're talking about here. Rather than that, we have completely missed the mark. <laughs> we failed in the worst way possible. We don't need a substitute to just step in and finish the game for us, to put a, a nice bow on the package that we've worked so hard to wrap. No, we needed someone to step in and do it all. We're not like worn out players on the field. We're like inmates sitting in their cells on death row. The game's already over. We've already lost. 
We had our chance to trust, to obey, to measure up to our calling as God's image bearers. But instead of having anything to show for our efforts, what we have is a, is a, a pile, a, a stack from floor to ceiling of documents that point to the fact that we are traitors. It's not that we tried to be God's faithful servants. Didn't quite make it. We were almost there. It's that we said, no thanks, (laughs) I don't need to do this, and we turned and went our own way. Like sheep, Isaiah tells us, we've we've all gone astray, we've all just gone our own way, wandering away from the shepherd. You know what it's like to get caught, don't you? Have you ever been caught? You know what it's like to be found out. You know what it's like to sit in the corner and await your punishment or await that inevitable talking to? That's not a good place to be, is it? I don't like being in that place. I've never liked it, never enjoyed it. Uh, there are moments when you would do just about anything you could to just somehow disappear, t- to vanish, to find a way out of that circumstance that you find yourself. And you wish you could somehow clone yourself, right? Or, or find a mannequin, dress them up in your clothes, put them in your place so that they can, they can, they can uh, take the punishment while you're running down the street. In the case of our rebellion against God, that's exactly what we're talking about here. Everyone is in that same spot, whether they know it or not. They need a way out. We need a way out. We need someone to step in and to represent us to take our place. It couldn't be just anybody. You can't throw a baseball cap on the family dog and say, hey, all right, God, punish that guy. <laughs> it doesn't work that way. No, it had to be a human being because human beings were guilty of the crimes. And that's where Jesus comes in. Fully God, fully human, Jesus was the perfect fit to represent us. Where we fail, he succeeds. Mark 1.11 tells us, God the Father speaks from heaven and he says, You, Jesus, are my beloved son. And with you, I'm slightly impressed. No, I'm well pleased. He represents us. But not only does he represent, I can represent you, and I will do a miserable job of representing you. You will not want me representing you. Jesus represents us, and he represents us as we should be, not as we are. He is the perfect representation. Romans 5, 19 says, For as by one man's obedience, the many were made sinners. That's us. That's who we all are. We're the sinners. And it all started with one. So, by the, by the one man's obedience, that's Jesus, the many will be made righteous. He's all that we ever should have been. He's the epitome of what it means to be an image bearer of God. He represents us, it represents us as we should have represented God to the world from the very beginning. And because of that, he qualifies to step in as our substitute and take the place of us when it comes to the punishment that we deserve. Is that what you think about when you see those pictures and you see those those little plastic or porcelain figurines of the nativity set and you see the little baby 
in the manger? Do, do your thoughts tell you that, that this little harmless baby, oh, so cute, was destined to be your substitute, to pay for your sins with his life? Countless other babies have paid for the sins of their parents. According to the World Health Organization, they continue to be sacrificed each and every day to the tune of 200,000 per day. But while, the, while those lives may be victims of sin, they can't pay for anyone's sin other than the inherited sin that they've, they, they have. They can't pay for our sin. They can't be substitutes. Unlike Jesus, they can't bear the mark. They bear the marks of that inherited sin. We mourn for them, we fight for them, but we don't look to them for our salvation. But this baby that we celebrate on Christmas, this baby is different. Mark 10.45, Jesus says, Even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. His life was the perfect payment that was needed for us to be set free. 1 Peter 2.24, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. He dies so you can live. 1 Peter 3.18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. John the Baptist recognized this the moment he saw Jesus. He saw Jesus walking towards him, and he says, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Lamb of God. What's, what's this Lamb of God business? It brings us all the way back to the Old Testament sacrificial system. The, the, the way that God established to help people understand what it would take for their, them to be made right with himself. Leviticus tells us that, that the, the priest would, would take the sacrifice and he would lay his hands on it as a symbolic gesture of, of, of attributing to that animal the guilt and the sins of the people before that animal was sacrificed in their place. The life of the animal would pay for the rebellion of the people. In Hebrews 9, uh, chapter 9 and 10, they tell us that those sacrifices, so many sacrifices, all of those were just a shadow of the ultimate sacrifice that they were pointing to. It says this in 10.1, For since the law has but a shadow of the good things to come instead of the true form of these realities, it can never, by the same sacrifices that are continually offered every year, make perfect those who draw near. Otherwise, would they not have ceased to be offered? Since the worshipers, having once been cleansed, would, would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. They, they pointed to the ultimate sacrifice, while they themselves were, were nowhere near effective in taking away the sins of the people. 
but Jesus is the real deal. He was our representative and substitute as he shed his blood on the cross as the perfect, all-sufficient sacrifice for our sins. The blood of Jesus matters. It matters. In Leviticus 17, we find that the blood is what God considers is the only acceptable means for atonement. Verse 11 says this, 1711, Leviticus, for the, the, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. Without the shedding of Christ's blood, Hebrews 9.22 tells us, there is no forgiveness of sins. The blood is absolutely necessary. In Matthew 26.28, Jesus is having communion for the very first time with his disciples, and he is explaining to them that his blood is absolutely necessary. He said, this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Hebrews 9.13 tells us, if the blood of goats and bulls, for if the blood of goats and bulls and the sprinkling of the defiled persons with the ashes of a heifer sanctify for the purification of the flesh, how much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without blemish to God, he was perfectly clean, perfectly righteous, our perfect representative and substitute, purify, that purifies our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Unlike all those other sacrifices that were made, Christ's sacrifice and his blood that was shed for you and for me, that was all sufficient. Verse 26 says, but as it is, he has appeared once for all at the end of the ages to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. You know what that means, don't you? That means that if you have been washed clean by the blood of Jesus Christ, you've placed your trust in his sacrifice, nothing more is needed, ever, ever. You and I continue to fail, don't we? I sure do. <laughs> if you don't, please come talk to me. I want to know the secret. We continue to fail. And sometimes we're tempted to beat ourselves up. We look at ourselves in the mirror and we say, this person, what do I do with this person? I am a mess. I am a wreck. How can I make up for what I have done? When it comes to the relationship between you and God, there is nothing that you can do to make up for what you have done. But if Christ's blood has washed over you, you don't have to make up anything to repair your relationship with God because it's already been done. Your sin is gone. It's been taken away once and for all. Psalm 103.11 says, For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love to those who fear him, as far as... The east is from the west. So far does he remove our transgressions from us. East and west are in opposite directions. They never meet. 
They never meet. That is how far our sins have been removed by the blood of Jesus Christ. The angel told Joseph, they said, name him Jesus. Why? Because Jesus means God saves. Does Jesus live up to his name? He absolutely does. That's what the baby in the manger is all about. Long before he was even born, Isaiah 53 says, he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. Verse 12 says, he bore the sin of many and makes intercession for the transgressors. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. This almost seems like some type of a divine joke, that the worst of the worst might be considered the best of the best. The Bible is clear. Christ is where it's at. He's where it's at. And his sacrifice, his sacrifice alone is the answer to our biggest problem, our salvation. The hope of the world is tied to him stepping in and taking our place, taking the punishment that we deserved. We believe that Jesus Christ's atoning death and victorious resurrection constitute the only ground for salvation. Four times in the New Testament do we see this very, very important word. It's kind of an ominous word. It's not one that we use regularly, and yet it is so important. We said a couple weeks ago, it simply means satisfaction. Simply means satisfaction. Propitiation means satisfaction for crimes against the almighty God of all creation, of all eternity, to be forgiven. The ultimate price had to be paid. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. For satisfaction to be made, for sins to be forgiven, the price, the right price, had to be paid. And that's exactly what the baby in the manger came to do. 1 Timothy 1.15 says Christ came into the world to save sinners. He did that by becoming the propitiation or the satisfaction for our sins. Romans 3.24 says it. We are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a what? As a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Hebrews 2.17 essentially says the same thing. 1 John 2.2 says he is the propitiation for our sins. Chapter 4 in 1 John verse 10 says this, in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins, the satisfaction for our sins. You know, John 3.16, if you went to Sunday school, you probably know this verse by heart that it says something about God loving the world that he gave his only son and, and Christians and churches at this time of year, we are very, very quick to hold that banner up and say, Jesus is the reason for the season. We need to know this. Jesus tells us something about God's love. You see the little baby, the cute and cuddly baby, there in the manger. Know that God loves you. That is very, very important. But you and I, 
will never fully grasp the scale and the depth and the richness of that love of God until we connect the manger to the mission. From cradle, we must have in view the cross, where Jesus satisfied the perfect requirements of God by giving his life in our place. His death makes atonement. It makes the necessary reparations. It removes the guilt from our records. That, my friends, is good news. That, my friends, is worth getting excited about. And we know that it's good news. And we know that Christ accomplished what he set out to accomplish. We know that. We know that, that God's wrath was satisfied. We know it. Why do we know it? Because as our sins were put on Jesus at the cross and Jesus died there, he did not stay dead. His resurrection, his victorious resurrection, it says, job done. Mission accomplished. Hope, peace, joy to the world. Yes, yes indeed. So it's Jesus and Jesus alone who we look to for our one and only hope. This is our only ground for salvation. Good deeds don't cut it. Donate into charity, don't cut it. Being a moral person, don't cut it. Being a, a, a good husband, a good wife, a good mom, good dad, good son, good daughter, good brother, good sister. Being authentic doesn't cut it. Getting good grades don't cut it. This might come as a shock, but getting vaccinated does not cut it. It's only the finished work of Jesus Christ. No one comes to the Father except through Him. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Yes, Joseph. <laughs> Call him Jesus. That's his name. That must be his name. That's because he's going to save his people from their sins. This Christmas, may your hope not be in the holiday, but may it be in the Holy One of God, born in poverty, born as a servant, called to serve in the most ultimate of ways, to give his life as a ransom for your sin and for mine. Is your hope in Jesus? Do you look to him as your only source of being made right with God? Maybe you're here in this room. Maybe you're just watching this online. And maybe you're watching it today. Maybe you're watching it a month from now. But God is speaking to you now. Is your trust in Jesus? Is he the answer to your rebellion and your failure. Babies are cute and cuddly, but each one is born with a calling, and this Christmas, your maker is calling you back to himself. Out of darkness, out of wandering, out of discouragement, out of despair, and into his glorious light. If you have not yet answered that call by placing your trust in Jesus Christ, 
do that this Christmas. In fact, do that right now. Say, Lord Jesus, I need you. I need you. I know that I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And I know that that Savior is none other than Jesus Christ. Thank you for sending him to take my place, to die my death, that I might live. Come into my life, cleanse me from my sin, make me yours from this day forward. And if Christ is your Savior, don't let this Christmas be about anything less than the awesome work that the little baby came to accomplish. Marvel, marvel at how he became weak so that you might be made strong. Be awestruck of how he succeeded on behalf of your failure. Unleash your heart. Unleash your life in unrestrained worship as you reflect on and celebrate the death he died so that you might live. Thank God for the baby in the manger. And thank God for his life's calling. Amen? Lord, we love you and we thank you and we are awestruck by the love that you showed us first as you sent Jesus Christ into the world. Lord, we celebrate this Christmas and we want to celebrate as no one has celebrated before with joy spilling out of our hearts onto each other with praise, with thanksgiving, with, with praise that doesn't make sense. Lord, it's excitement that is far beyond anyone who ever got a supercar for Christmas or was told they won the lottery. It is excitement that is born out of the eternal gift that you have given us in Jesus Christ. Thank you for the hope that we have in him. Thank you for what Jesus did on the cross that we can stand and sit here today and know that we have an eternity to look forward to with our maker in paradise. We love you, we worship you, and pray these things in Jesus' name. And everyone says,